another day with Shanti Deva. I was going to bong us on the head and say, you stupid person, you want to be happy and you're creating the causes for suffering. What in the world are you doing? As we go out and create more cause for suffering. <laughs> yeah. So, so let's try and be open as he uh, uh, whack-a-moles. <laughs> yes. We have to imagine our, our self-centeredness as, as a mole. Okay, so let's begin by remembering our refuge objects, the direction we're going in our spiritual practice, who we're following, what teaching we're learning, and also why we're doing this. So we uh, all say, I woke up this morning. I think we'd all agree with that. I woke up this morning. So exactly who woke up? Your body woke up? Yeah, got out of bed. Your mind woke up? You started thinking of what you we're going to do today. But where's the I that woke up? Body woke up. The mind woke up. Why do we say, I woke up? Who's the person that woke up? In other words, what is a person? So who is it that says, oh, I'd really like to sleep some more? Who's the I? What's the I that says that? Mm -hmm. 
And what's the Ahai that is saying, my happiness is more important than everybody else's? So we can't really find an I that's doing all these things. But what we do see is a lot of very afflictive conceptual thought running around, making up stories. We see all of that deluded thinking, but we can't really find a person who's thinking it. But those thoughts are sure making us miserable. So with that kind of awareness, let's open our hearts to other living beings, care about their welfare, even though there's no findable human beings or findable sentient beings that we can draw a circle around and say, that's what they are. And so with compassion for them, because we're all in the same boat, Let's generate bodhicitta. So we all grew up in America, those of us who grew up in American schools, hearing about everybody has the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, right? Did you get that ingrained in your head? Okay. But who, what gave us the right 
to think that our happiness is more important than anybody else's. You know? The Constitution gives each of us that right, but it doesn't give us the right to think that we're more important than everybody else. It assumes that. Yeah. And that's why the country's in the mess, the world's in the mess that it is in. Okay. But why do we have the thought that our happiness is more important than everybody else's? You know? It's just something we all made up that we believe in. Isn't it? Yeah? When you think of it. Okay. Anyway, I was thinking about the um, the BBC talk about feedback and thought I'd just share a few thoughts about that. Yeah. Um, because what is feedback? Yeah. I realized that how I define feedback, I don't think was the same way as how... Uh, the speaker that day defined feedback. Okay? Uh, and for me, feedback is uh, like somebody's giving an evaluation. Yeah. It's not a criticism. To me, evaluation and criticism are two different things. Okay? Somebody's evaluating how I did. Yeah? And if in an evaluation, uh, I don't need to protect myself. It's giving me some uh, information that could be valuable so that I can uh, act more in line with my own goals and my own values. That's how I see feedback. Okay. To me, feed, like I said, feedback and criticism are two different things. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think? Feedback? Somebody says, you got, you know, you can get good feedback. You know, oh, you did a nice job doing that, or I appreciate you're, you're doing that in a timely way, or you stepped up to help when we really needed it. That's, that's feedback. You know, it's also feedback uh, to say, uh, you know, I thought you were going to come and help and you didn't show up. <laughs> you know, uh, and just state a fact. That's a, that's feedback too. Yeah. Now, how do we get from just evaluation to criticism? How do we get from stating a fact to our mind saying, "I'm getting criticized"? Okay. You know, somebody says, uh, "I thought we were all going to meet at three o'clock." And, uh, and you didn't come. It's a statement of fact. Yeah. Where is the crit? We, many people would take that as criticism, wouldn't it? Yeah. It's interesting. Some people are saying, yes, I take it as criticism. Some people are saying, no, I wouldn't. Yeah. It's interesting. And it's just a statement of fact. We're, well, is it 
criticism, if somebody just says, uh, you know, we were going to meet at three o'clock and we thought you were going to be there and you didn't come. Okay. Or we were going to meet at three o'clock and you didn't show up. Okay. So where's the criticism in that? Where's the criticism? And forget, you know, why is the tone, the, the tone of voice indicates that somebody else is unhappy. You know? Yeah. But how is that meaning criticism of me? Yeah. We were going to meet at three o'clock and you didn't come. It's true. It's true. Where's the criticism in that? Somebody else is unhappy. Does that mean I'm a bad person? Does that mean I made a mistake? Does that mean that I'm worthless? Does that mean that nobody's liking me? How I take those words is my business, isn't it? Yeah. Because we can say, well, I know it's criticism because of the way they said it. But how many times have people said things, given us feedback in quite a nice voice, and we still said they criticized us? Yeah. So what's making it criticism? My story. What's your story? They're telling you that I failed. Did they tell you you failed? No. <laughs> <laughs> then why are you projecting that onto them? It's my habit. Habit's no excuse. Yeah, then you're going to develop a habit so that when somebody says good morning to you, it's like, they're criticizing me? I hope not. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but some people do get offended because somebody didn't say good morning in the proper way and look them in the eyes, good morning to you. Yeah, I hardly ever say good morning when I have some, or hello or anything, as you all know. I just walk into your office and tell you. Yeah? Am I criticizing you when I walk in and I don't make three prostrations and (laughs) say, you know, you're so wonderful and I'm so thankful you're the best disciple and the most wonderful person here at the Abbey? Yeah? Does all that need to be said in order to hear that you didn't? We expected you there at three o'clock, and you didn't come. <laughs> hmm? So it's quite interesting, you know, when you feel that people are criticizing you, or tuning you out, or not paying attention. Stop. And like, what, 
Why am I thinking about that? And is everybody else reading that situation the same way? Yeah. Have you ever had somebody come to you and say, oh, I'm so upset that happened. Didn't you see how they talked to me? And you're going, oh, I was there. I didn't see anything wrong. <laughs> yeah. You ever had that happen? Somebody's like totally wigged out. Or somebody comes and apologizes to you, and you didn't even see anything. In your mind, there's nothing to apologize for. Okay? But it's interesting how we think all of this comes from outside. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody walks in the room and says, Your feet smell. Well, if you're talking about my feet, you're right. <laughs> yeah, my feet smell. Yes. Do your feet smell sometimes? Yeah, I think everybody's feet smell. Oh, your feet don't smell. I know. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> yes, you have lotus flowers growing out of your feet, you know, that smell like Chantel number five. Okay. <laughs> Or, you know, is it that Chanel? Chanel, yeah. Okay. But if somebody walks in and says, your feet smell. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Does that mean I'm bad? No, it just means I didn't wash my feet. Or it means I wash my feet, but they still smell. Yeah. Doesn't mean I'm an, a bad person. Goodness. Yeah. Okay. So I'm saying all this because when we hear criticism, we get angry, you know, and our anger can come out as close the door back away, you know, I'm not talking to you anger, or it can come out as lashing out at somebody kind of anger, but it's still anger. Okay, and uh, and anger is one of the chief impediments to generating compassion. Yeah, and compassion is a key, you know, the thing for generating bodhicitta. So if we, um, you know, cut off our own compassion because somebody tells us our feet smell, or we didn't come at three o'clock, yeah, then who are we harming? Yeah, what's, what's going on when we do that? Okay, so it's, it's something to, to think about. Mm-hmm. Have you noticed in your practice that since uh, we talk so much about the kindness of others, that you're seeing the kindness of others more in your life? Yeah, can you see that in your own practice? Yeah, so that's habit too, isn't it? Yeah. And you don't say, oh, that's habit, like it's nothing. 
No, it's something you deliberately cultivated. Yeah. Our anger and resentment, yeah, we didn't deliberately cultivate. Those are automatic coming from the the self-centered thought and the self-grasping ignorance. Yeah. But we don't really need to listen to those things, do we? Yeah. Not if our goal is is to generate compassion for all living beings. Yeah, we need to switch our mind. So one thing that I find very helpful, yeah, I find this helpful when I go into, oh, they're getting, they're criticizing me, or when I'm jealous and somebody else gets something that I don't get, okay? Um, what I've taken to doing, thanks to Lamasopa, is saying, oh, that's good. Yeah. Somebody got, got something that I didn't get. My self-centered thought is unhappy and jealous. That's good. Yeah. My self-centered thought's my enemy. It's hurting right now. Good. It needed somebody to whack-a-mole it. Yeah. Because it was getting out of hand. So, yeah, I feel I'm ignored. I'm not important. People are not paying attention to me. Oh, that's good. Okay. And I'm not saying it's good because I'm beating myself up. I'm not doing it because I'm in that whole thing of, you know, I'm such a lousy person, I'm no good, blah, 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 blah. It's not that. It's like, my self-centered thought's miserable. Good. Good. Yeah. It'll make me, you know, it makes me humbler. My self-centered thought is miserable. It makes me humbler. If I didn't get what I want, that's good. It makes me humbler. I need to be more humble. Yeah. If you want to be a bodhisattva, it's not like you walk into the room, you know, here I am. Yeah. I mean, His Holiness, they always talk about the real practitioners, you know, are very, very humble. So, yeah, my self-centeredness got beat up. Great. That's helpful. And who says I'm the one who always needs to have the good opportunity? Who says that people always have to pay attention to me? Because I am so wise and have the perfect ideas, and if the world only functioned the way I think it should, everybody would be all right. Yeah. I can't... I was just thinking, you know, we always say, oh, yeah, I want the world, I want to, you know, tell everybody what to do and they should do what I say. That means that you're going to have no privacy because 24-7 everybody's going to be knocking on your door asking you, shall I screw the screw in this hole or should I put it over there? Where do I go pee-pee? Can I sit in the front row 
Why is so-and-so sitting in the front row? Do I have to make lunch today? What do you think I should make for lunch today? Your whole life is going to be people asking you questions like that. Yeah. Or when you're walking out the door, what is your policy so that the banks don't fail? And you're supposed to give it right, your answer right there. And what is, uh, you know, how are you going to deal with the immigrant uh, crisis? And, and, you know, they want an answer right then and there. So if you get your way and everybody's going to listen to you and do things uh, what the way you want them done, then that's what your life is going to be like. Yeah? Do you want a life like that? <laughs> yeah? I went in to use the toilet, and there was one scrap of toilet paper left, and so-and-so was in there before me, and they didn't put a new roll on it. Uh, you know, and as a result, you know, I'm going to be late because I have to find a roll of toilet paper and there isn't any in the bathroom because nobody put an extra roll in there. And they hid the toilet paper. And, <laughs> yeah, please solve my problem for me. You know, I know it's so-and-so who hid the toilet paper. Talk to that person. Yeah, because I can't say anything to them. So you talk to them. Yeah. Okay. Be careful if you want your way. There's some things that come with getting your way. And see if you want those things or not. To say, if I was expected to be there at three and I didn't turn up, so how do I, uh, what is a way that you would think in without dismissing it like, well, I didn't turn up, I didn't turn up. Because there's a lack of consideration because I was supposed to be there at three and I wasn't there versus the beating up of, oh, it's so terrible. I know I always never turn up and I'm always late and, blah, 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 and I'm going kind of bonkers. So <laughs> where is the middle way of... Okay being able to admit that I made a mistake and then, you know, can kind of have a stable mind that hopefully does not repeat that mistake and then also have the confidence to know that, you know, this habit can change yeah. and to increase reliability. Okay. So, so your question is how can we... How can we hear it and, and own our actions without beating ourselves up? And not, and not just saying, but it doesn't matter. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I can come anytime I want. I don't care. You're at three o'clock. I don't care if you wait until four o'clock or five o'clock, six o'clock. You know, it doesn't matter. <laughs> Screw you. Oh, excuse me. <laughs> What? 
job. I'm I'm really I'm not related to to Marjorie. <laughs> oh. Okay. Well, that's a good question. How do we find that middle way? Okay. Well, for me, it's just the first thing is is asking, you know, just thinking, uh, is what this person is saying true? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Were they inconvenienced? Well, yes. Yeah. Does that make me a bad person? No. Yeah. It's good if I owned the fact that somebody else was inconvenienced. If that's, if, if I was late because, you know, it depends. If I was late because I didn't look at the clock, then I would say, Oh, I'm sorry. I'm late. I lost track of time, you know, or I'm sorry. Uh, I'm late. I was, you know, in the middle of writing a, a paragraph of very difficult stuff and I have to finish, you know, so if it's just something innocuous, then, you know, I can apologize. I'm sorry you were inconvenienced. Yeah. Kind of asking for their tolerance that I was in the middle of doing something and that's why I was late. Yeah. And, and, uh, yeah. And just acknowledging that they were inconvenienced. Okay. Now, if I had the, if the reason I'm late, is because I thought, I want to go to this. These people are creeps. This thing is so boring. You know, why are they making me go? Somebody else is forcing me to go to this meeting. I don't want to go, so I'm just not going to show up. You know, if if that's the reason I didn't come, and then somebody says, we thought you were going to come at 3 o'clock, and you didn't, then I have to look at like, okay, yes, I inconvenienced somebody, but what was going on in my mind? Yeah, my mind was completely uh, wrapped up in what I wanted to do without thinking of others at all. And so, you know, when I check my own motivation, it's like, oh, what I did was not so good. So I need to work on that. So I need to work on that, you know, does not mean I'm a bad person. When we do confession, yeah, I, I did this or this or that. It doesn't mean we're bad people. It means, you know, either we weren't paying attention, a lack of mindfulness, or maybe we didn't care. Or maybe we were busy, or maybe our stomach hurt, or who knows what else. We have to check the motivation. Yeah, but whatever the motivation was, it doesn't mean we're bad. Yeah, the motivation may be rotten. I may look and see, oh, I had a really nasty motivation when I said that. Or I had a really... Self-centered motivation. I didn't show up because I just didn't feel like it. And it's like, do I want to be that kind of person who acts like that towards other people? No, I don't. That's just my self-centered thought. Yeah. 
So it doesn't mean I'm a bad person, but it does mean I can point. I put my self-centered thought out here, and I can point at it and say, you're the problem. Yeah. So in the future, I have to be more open-minded, you know, and see what's going on with everybody in this situation, not just what's going on with me. Yeah, does that make some sense? Yeah. Um, before, I'm thinking of one incident when I did that. Because uh, Lama Sopa would, would talk a lot about self-centered thought, like ad infinitum. And, <laughs> yeah, and he also talked about the eight worldly concerns, ad infinitum squared. Um, and so when he had just been teaching, maybe it was seven-point mind training. Anyway, then right after that, we, uh, you know, many of us went to, to Tibet. This was the summer of 86, I think. And uh, we went to Tibet. So I was... Um, I was with some friends, and uh, we were going to go by horseback to uh, Tlamolazzo, the lake where you see the different things in it, okay? So uh, we were riding horses. Yeah, yeah, I got a hundred horse. Um so I had a very nice horse, okay? I named her Nellie. Nellie, Nellie Bell? Nellie. Nellie, yeah. It was short for Nell Jorma. And <laughs> that's what I named my horse. So there was one other Western monk. That we were like Tibetans and Inchis. So there was one other Western monk who was going, and my horse was so cooperative. When we got to streams, my horse just followed the other horses and walked across the streams, no problem. His horse was, you know, a little bit obstinate and kind of did what it wanted to do. So at one point, and he was getting very frustrated and very, yeah, really frustrated. And, uh, yeah. And it was coming out. So I volunteered to change horses with him. Okay. Well, and I really meant that, you know, I'm happy to change horses with you. Well, he got so mad at me. I mean, I was offering to do something nice and he got furious. I, I know him from before. And so he has that, has that kind of temperament. So he just started berating me because we had worked together and, you know, in Dharma centers. And yeah, no, everybody says that you do this and nobody likes you. And yeah, I relied on you. And, you know, drawing up all these things, you know, as we're standing in the middle of Tibet, wide open, <laughs> nothing's going on. You know, it's so peaceful there. And he just gives this torrent of everything I, he thinks I've done wrong since beginningless time, <laughs> almost. And uh, he left out a few things. Um, so, but it was, it was really interesting. I think it was 
the force of because we were going on pilgrimage, you know, and we were going on pilgrimage to a very special place, that somehow I managed to remember remember Chase teaching about put giving the blame to the self-centered thought. So as he was saying this to me, I started doing that. And when we set up camp that evening, my whole meditation in the evening was like, yeah, self-centered thought, this is, yeah, this is your thing. Okay, you're the cause of it. It's good, you know. Maybe you didn't do anything wrong here, but you've certainly done a lot of things wrong, so you're getting blamed. That's fantastic. And and my mind was totally peaceful that evening. Yeah. And it really shocked me because usually when I get you know, it's like national disaster. But, but you know, this time I was like, my mind was happy. I went to sleep, peaceful, woke up in the morning. And then I thought, you know, there's, there's something to this method of blaming the self, putting yourself, self-centered thought isn't here. You put it out there. You know, and all the stuff you would say, oh, you're, nah, 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 you say to the self-centered thought. Okay. And so that, that I think, you know, if you know how to, how to do it right, like you brought up, you don't go to one extreme of, oh, it means I'm terrible, or the other extreme of, well, yeah, who cares? It's nothing. But, um, you know, just to be able to assess a situation and anything unpleasant, you give to self-centered thought. Because why do we experience unpleasant things? Because of actions we've done in the past. And why did we do negative actions in the past? The self-centered thought. I mean, the self, the self-grasping ignorance, of course. But the self, you know, when you look, at the ten non-virtues, or you look at any of the precepts we don't keep, there's always some aspect of, you know, the self-centered thought of, oh, it's just a little thing, it doesn't matter, nobody knows. You know, there's always something like that going on. And so, um, or nearly always, you know, okay, there's a few exceptions. Um, and so, just, you know, acknowledging it and, and really seeing that our enemy is the self-centered thought. Yeah. And that's exactly what Shantideva is getting at in these verses, you know. First was, well, what gives us the right to think that, that we're first and foremost and everybody should do everything our way? Yeah. Okay, so, yeah. So let's go back to the text, but, uh, you know, be aware of that in, in uh, your interactions with people. And I must say also, I'm going to add this, because I've worked with people like this, people who like a little bit of conflict, okay? Or some of them like a lot of conflict. Yeah, because they, they figure out who they are 
when they smack against other people, you know, that helps them get clear about what they believe or whatever. But it gets carried too far to blaming people, criticizing people. So, um, you know, to be, be watchful. Am I one of those people who likes a little bit of conflict? Yeah. It, it could be because it helps me figure out what I believe in. It could be my way of connecting with other people because, and as school teachers, we know this, don't we? Yeah. The kids who, who often don't get much attention from their parents unless they act out. Yeah. Will come to school and act out. Um, because they're, they're really saying, I want, I need some help. Yeah, when little kids are acting out, they're saying, I need some help. I think often when big kids in their 40s and 50s, you know, 60s, act out, they're saying, you know, I need some attention. I need some help. Yeah. And uh, to see sometimes if we're like that, do we like, you know, there's a certain... A way that you can feel powerful if you know how to poke somebody uh, in an area that they don't like. Do you know people like that? You can see that they, 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 they like. Oh, really? You're upset? Why? <laughs> now, come on. Why are you acting that way? Yeah. But it's a feeling of power when you can poke somebody and make them agitated. You know, so there's all sorts of different reasons why people may, you know, like conflict or start conflict. Yeah, because it, it is a way of connecting. It's a horrible way of connecting, but it's a way of connecting. And, uh, you know, to say, am, am, what am I doing like that? Am I deliberately antagonizing people? Because, you know, and what am I really trying to say when I do that? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Do you remember those kids in school? One does not forget. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, you remember the names of all those kids, don't you? Yes, yeah. I make prayers for those kids that I had in my classroom. Yeah, and of course, I was too naive and stupid at that time to realize that that's what they were really trying to say. Yeah, I just thought, you know. They're creating commotion in the classroom. I need to, you know, stop that. Stupid. Me. Yeah, not them. Okay, so verse 105. If by one person's suffering, the suffering of many would be destroyed, surely kind-hearted people would accept it for the sake of themselves and others. Oh, yes, I would definitely accept one person 
you know, being, uh, experiencing suffering for the benefit of, of other people, as long as I'm not that one person. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there should be some way that I could wiggle out of that and let somebody else be the person who sacrifices for everybody else. Do you see yourself wiggle out of things? Yeah. This is a place to live, you know, because we see ourselves, I don't know about you, but I see myself wiggle out of a lot of things. Yeah, you live with people in a community, you find your ways of wiggling, yeah. You all look so innocent. <laughs> I really am the only one who does that. No, you do it too. Oh, good. Not oh, good, but you know, thank you for admitting it. <laughs> Thus, the Bodhisattva Supushpa Chandra, although aware of the harm the king would cause him, accepted his own suffering in order to eradicate the misery of many. Let's see what the footnote says, because I am wondering what this story is. Here's the story. At the time of the decline of the Tathagata Rinpoche Pimadawa Numpar Bhakpe Gyalpo, well... <laughs> Imagine you had to write a signature like with that long name every time, you know. Okay, so there lived a monk called Supushpa Chandra. At one time, while dwelling in the Samantabhadra grove together with 7,000 bodhisattvas, he perceived with this heightened awareness that if he were to go to the jeweled palace of King Viradatta, and reveal the Dharma, many living creatures would obtain higher states of existence and liberation. But if he were not to reveal it, they would not obtain these states. In addition, he knew that if he went, the king would kill him. But nevertheless, he decided to go there. I hope the king, he saw that the king would kill him after he taught the Dharma, not before, you know. Upon his arrival, he spent seven days without partaking of any food. During the night, he would circumambulate a reliquy containing the fingernails of the Tathagata, and during the daytime, he would go to the palace and reveal the Dharma. After many million living beings had been led to awakening through his teachings, the king then killed him. It doesn't say why. After a while, though, the king regretted what he had done and subsequently enshrined his bones in a reliquy and worshipped them. That does you a lot of good after you're dead. You know, think about it, yeah. We want to leave a legacy. We want, after we're gone, for people to remember who we were, yeah. So you want them to put your bones and build a stupa over it? Yeah, you're going to be in some next lifetime and people are going to be walking around your stupa here. Is that going to do anything good for you? Might be, you know, for in this case, 
yes, it was something good for the king, but for, you know, if if we want, you know, praise and acclaim and stuff like that, think about it. What good does it do you? Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's very good to think about this when your your eight worldly dharmas is roaring. Okay. Yes. When I die, uh, they're going to take my bones and make a stupa, and everybody's going to walk around and say, "What a wonderful practitioner that person was." Or they'll they'll have a big funeral for me, and you know. All my relatives, especially the ones who were mean to me, you know, my brother, my sister, the neighbors who picked on me, you know, they're all going to be there crying and repenting how mean they were to me, you know, and they only see this when, when I'm dead and they have so much regret and they're crying and sobbing with regret because they feel so bad about making fun of me and beating me up. Yeah, and we think like that now. Yeah. So fast forward in your meditation. You imagine that whole thing. Yeah, they're all there. Crying, sobbing with regret about how they didn't treat you right and notice your wonderful qualities and criticized you and, and everything like that. Uh, but you're in your next life. And you don't know that's going on. What good does it do you? You can't even say, oh, finally they got it. Yeah. Because you don't even know it. You're in your next life experiencing who knows what as a result of our clinging and grasping and anger and so forth. And yet now we're having this fantasy of the day when people are going to retro, retroactively realize how wonderful we were. It's stupid, isn't it, to think like that? Yeah? Do you ever think like that? Yeah? Oh, they're going to finally realize. Regret how they treated me. Yeah? And that's your consolation now for getting beat up and criticized. Yeah. Yeah. So, doesn't do me any good. That's it. Doesn't do me any good at all. Hmm? Yeah. The king was Shakyamuni Buddha. How do you know that? So, so I um, shared this story as a motivation um, oh. in the halls maybe last month or so uh -huh. um, and read the sutra. Um, and the king, when he saw this bodhisattva, um, all of his wives and sons and daughters were um, bowing to the bodhisattva and becoming his disciple and very, very strong jealousy arose in his mind. And he turned to his executioner and said, kill that bhikshu. Mm. Um, and he did. And then when the king later came by, 
he realized that it was a bodhisattva um, because the body was um, like, um, not decomposing and so felt an immense regret mm -hmm. and then built this stupa for yeah. him. And in the sutra, it says, as the Buddha was um, sharing this story, that in a past life, I was King Veradatta. Okay. But he was not Buddha then. No. <laughs> he was King Veradatta. He, he, yeah, he was. Extreme he, jealousy. Yes, yes. So, so he, he was. A king, he was a king who was a sentient being at that time who did that. Yeah. Now, now here, it's interesting. Here's the Buddha owning something negative he did in a previous life. Yeah. Is he going, oh, I was such a horrible person. How could I have done that? No, no he didn't. He just, you know, boy, I made a big boo-boo that I regretted and... You know, I'm I'm making amends for it. You know, for for Supashtu Chandra, we'll call him Chandra for short. Um, uh, you know, it didn't matter one way or the other. Okay, he he's not in. You know, he's some bodhisattva in in some pure land. He's not looking. Oh well, the king finally got it and is repentant for killing me. You know, good. Yeah. Yes, he did. But what was more important to him was benefiting sentient beings. So this is illustrative of the verse before where it talks about if one person can experience the harm you know, that alleviates others' suffering is good. So that's exactly what that bodhisattva did. Yeah. And he didn't regret, you know, that the king killed him. Mm hmm Yeah. I think to your point about the Shakyamuni Buddha owning his mistake, he then, later in the sutra, talks about what he did to purify that action what he did for countless eons. Yeah. He even went to hell, you know, and, and all the suffering that he experienced due to that action. Yeah. And he reveals it all. Yeah. So this is the result of jealousy. Yeah. 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 So it was a big teaching for everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Jealousy is dangerous. We can see it right now in what's happening with the country. Yeah. Okay. 107. Thus, because they love to pacify the pains of others, those whose minds are attuned in this way would enter even the deepest hell, just as a wild goose plunges into a lotus pool. Okay? So the bodhisattvas love to pacify the pain of others. It makes them very happy. They are not people-pleasing. They're not going around saying, I pacified the, the pain of others. Oh, that means I'm a good person. That means they're praising me. That means I'm like, that means da 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 You know, they're not people-pleasing. Yeah. They just take delight in seeing other people happy. 
Yeah. And they're willing to put their energy out to make that happen instead of saying, I don't feel like it. Yeah. Or, why should I? Or, what have they ever done for me? Do you see these habitual thoughts? If you're talking about habit, yeah, that are excusing me from even lifting that little finger to do something for somebody. I just really don't feel like it. Yeah. Yeah. What, what does I don't feel like it feel like? Yeah, yeah. because we all suffer from this. Do you suffer from that? Do you have times during the day when your mind's going, I just don't feel like it? Yeah. What do you feel? What is the basis of designation for saying, I don't feel like it? Yeah. Is it a feeling in your body? Is it a feeling in your mind? Is it a thought you're telling yourself? What is it? I don't feel like it. It's it's really interesting when you start to explore what's behind things that you say and things that you feel. I don't feel like it. It means that I'm not doing anything especially important. But there's got to be something else that makes me feel good. And it's not this. (laughs) Yeah? Kind of stepping in for somebody who didn't show up for the dishes. That That's not... You know, that's not the cure to my feeling restless and dissatisfied or tired or, you know, I'm in the middle of a pity party. Yeah, don't interrupt my pity party and make me do something nice. You know, I'm getting too much pleasure feeling uh, sorry for myself. Yeah. Yeah, so check. Well, you know what is it? Yeah, I don't feel like it. What is? What did they ever do for me? Yeah. What are we really saying? Yeah. What did they ever? Well, if we look, they've done a lot for us. Yeah, they've done a lot for us. So what is? You know, what did they ever do for me? Mean? It means. I I think I'm royalty. <laughs> and you know, I want people to do this and that and and they they don't do it. So, I don't have any obligation towards them. And then I mean that's the story going on, isn't it? We say, what did they ever do for me? But if we answer our own question, what did they ever do for me? They actually did a lot. Yeah. They've actually done a lot. 
Okay. It's interesting, isn't it, how we love to make ourselves miserable. <laughs> it's true. I mean, how we shoot ourselves in the foot, we make ourselves miserable with what we're saying, what we're thinking, and how we take so much pride and joy <laughs> in making ourselves miserable. You know? <laughs> yeah. But you see, we don't see that because we're not making ourselves miserable. They're making me miserable. Yeah. So then you say, yeah, oh, um, we should keep track of these. These are more things for the book I write on phrases from my, my perfect mother, you know? Yeah, as to, you know, words of my precious, no, words of my perfect teacher, words of my perfect mother. She knew what she was talking about, you know. Yeah. Who do you think you are, young lady? That is a question I've been dealing with for a while. And the Buddha asked the same question. Yeah, just who do you think you are? Molehill. Yeah. 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 But it's interesting. Look look behind these these uh these phrases and there's some interesting ways of thinking behind them. Okay. So because they love to pacify the pains of others, those whose minds are attuned in this way. So not everybody, you know. It's a person who's worked on their minds, who cares about the pain of others. That kind of person would enter even the deepest hell with so much joy just as a wild goose plunges into a lotus pool. So much excitement. Just as a three-year-old jumps into the wading pool, you know, the wading pool in the backyard, you know? Or just as a three-year-old feels when they get a puppy. Yeah? yeah. Whenever I read something like this, I just... I remember a cancer jump attack choke and one day how, you know, we were, we were having dinner and, and this was in, um, at Sarah and one beggar came into the, the comes in and went up to Rimache's room and, uh, Rimache went out to greet him and then Rimache disappeared and he came out with a big, thick, fluffy blanket, and gave it to the beggar. And then he sat down and kept on eating dinner. And it was like, you know, nothing, giving away this blanket. Yeah. So me, I would like, oh, I'm going to give this blanket over. I know it's summertime and I'm sweating and I'm only sleeping with a sheet on, but sometime I might need this blanket. 
So I can't give it away now because I may need it in the future. And besides, it's a beautiful blanket and it's fluffy. And this is a beggar and he's dirty and he's just going to take it and put it in the dirt, you know. So why should I give it to him? Yeah. That's self-centered thought. Yeah. Imitate his oh, got his blanket, gave it. Finish. Okay. 108. Will not the ocean of joy that shall exist when all beings are free be sufficient for me? Good question. Yeah. Won't the won't the ocean of joy of everybody else being free from samsara? Won't that be enough to make me happy? Do I need ice cream on top of that? Yeah. Do I need a good obit before, you know, on top of that? What am I doing wishing for my own liberation alone? You know, so seeing how much joy bodhisattvas feel when other beings are happy. So if you feel that way, then why are you wishing for your own liberation alone? Because that's not going to bring you that same happiness because you're not involved with others and you're not helping them go on the path towards liberation. So you're missing out on a lot of joy for yourself. And so that, that's what our self-centered thought does. Yeah, there's a possibility of experience, so, experiencing so much happiness. And we pass it up to fulfill our own immediate wants. So we claim to be Mahayanas, but are we? Yeah. 109. Therefore, although working for the benefit of others, I should not be conceited or consider myself wonderful. But why not? Because I am wonderful. Look how kind I am. You know, Vimache, when he came back in the room, is thinking, oh, I set such a good example of being a, a, a selfless bodhisattva in front of my students. Now my students are going to think that I'm really highly realized and say good things about me to the whole rest of the monastery because I'm such a great bodhisattva because this guy came in and wanted a blanket and I had some old scruffy thing I wasn't using anyway that was taking up space on the shelf and I gave it to him and then as a result other people think I'm generous. This is great. Yeah, how one thing is going on in our mind, but we're trying to create the appearance of being something totally the opposite of what's going on. Yeah. 
what's this called? Call, pulling the wool over somebody's eyes. Yeah, how can I get a little bit of ego pleasing something out of this? What am I doing wishing for my liberation alone? Good question. Okay. So therefore, although working for the benefit of others, I should not be conceited or consider myself wonderful. Because basically, I'm just doing what I promised to do when I took the Bodhisattva vow. So I'm just, yeah, I'm, I promised I would do something. I'm, I'm doing what I promised to do. Why is that cause to think I'm so wonderful? Yeah. It's like when you feed yourself, yeah, when you eat lunch, after lunch you don't go, I'm so wonderful, I offered food to a sentient being. <laughs> yeah? We don't praise ourselves for feeding ourselves. Why? Because it's just what you do to stay alive, yeah? So there's, there's no reason for kudos and fame and a drum roll and everything like that. <laughs> I should not be conceited or consider myself wonderful. And because of the joy there is in solely doing this, I should have no hope for any ripening effect. Okay, okay, yeah. I've, I've given up expecting praise in this life. Yeah, I've overcome that. I'm not expecting praise. Yeah, I did something nice for somebody. Okay, they're not going to praise me. I accept that. But I created such good karma. And I'm going to have such a good rebirth. What a good practitioner I am. I'm looking forward to that good rebirth that's going to come about, you know, because I was so kind. I gave a piece of Melba toast to somebody. <laughs> I fed the turkeys. They're, you know, I had this food that was left over from lunch that I was going to eat, and then I decided not to eat it, so I fed, it the, I fed the turkeys. So I practiced generosity. You know, of course, it was with something I was going to throw out anyway. But it's the best way to be generous because you have no attachment to it. So, yeah, and they always say you should be generous without any attachment. So I gave my leftovers to the turkeys, no attachment. I created so much good karma. So next lifetime, I'm going to be born rich. Yeah, that's the result of generosity. And so I gave to the turkeys, I'm going to be reborn rich. That's good. What am I going to buy with all my wealth? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is like the, this story, um, it comes under precious human life. I for, forget the, the name of the character in the long rim, but, uh, and you probably remember the story better than I do. I just remember the punchline. But he was, 
is so enthralled because he was going to have a child and he was thinking of what he would, yeah. Do you remember the story? And then he hit the, yeah. Will you tell the story, Gishela? I, <laughs> I, I know I'm putting you on the spot, but I'm sure you know it better than me. Uh, it, in short, it is called uh, Father by the name of Dadak, who never had a child. So he was never a father because he couldn't give, rise to, uh, give birth to a child, but he dreamed of it. And in the process of dreaming, it, he think of, thought of himself as a great father, even gave him himself the name Dada. So non-existent son, but yet still a father but by the name of Dada. That's sure. <laughs> and he was so happy you know, to be a father, and he was thinking of all these different names that he could give his child, and he was so happy thinking about it that he picked up a stick and he was dancing in his room, and when he was dancing with joy of thinking of that, he hit a bag of of sampa that was tied to the ceiling, and all the sampa crashed on top of him. Yeah. (laughs) So somehow that that has to do with appreciating your precious human life. <laughs> yeah, something. Yeah, but um, yeah, so how, how we appease ourselves. Okay, well, I won't look for, you know, praise now, but I'll look for something in the future. I'll get something in the future. And then you're all joyous about that, and then, you know, the Bhagasamfa. Sampa falls on your head. Sampa's head. Huh? I don't know. Did it kill him? Yeah. It killed him. Oh, dear. That's why he couldn't have a child. But he had already called himself, thought of himself as father, given a name. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Death by Sampa. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> clunk, yeah. Yeah. Okay, I, so I should have no help for any ripening effect. One, one ten. Therefore, just as I protect myself from unpleasant things, however small, in the same way I should act towards others with a compassionate and caring mind. Yeah. So again, this thing of, you know, suffering is suffering. It doesn't matter whose it is. We all have bodies, you know, we all have minds, we all have suffering. So, you know, don't just take care of mine, take care of everybody's. Okay. So just as I protect myself, then protect others. Yeah. Now, the problem with that is sometimes people want what you want to protect them from, okay? You look at everybody eating a lot of salty crackers, and they love those crackers. Crunch, crunch, crunch. Yeah, you're sitting at a table with six people. Five of them (laughs) are eating crackers or nuts. Crunch, crunch. You're sitting there. 
<laughs> Reading in silence. Crunch. Crunch. Okay. And so you're going, but they're eating salt. And that much salt is not good for you. And I can give you some articles to read that say a lot of salt is not good for you. And that they're eating salt and they're not aware that it's going to cause them, you know, health difficulties in the future. Yeah. So I want to go and take all those salty crackers away from them, but they're going to get mad at me if I do. But it's, I'm doing it for their own benefit. Yeah. So, therefore, just as I protect myself from unpleasant things, however small, yeah, so I don't eat salty crackers. Yeah. And I don't put extra salt on my food. Yeah. You see what holy beings do? Okay. <laughs> yeah. In the same way, I should act towards others with a compassionate and caring mind. So all those crackers are going to disappear. Yeah. It's because I love you all. Okay. Yeah. So then you're going to take the tomatoes. <laughs> Practice th tossing them. Okay. No, sometimes that happens. You know, you're doing something to help somebody, they get mad at you. Like the guy who I offered him my horse, you know, got mad at me. Um, yeah, interesting person, very intelligent, but some kind of, yeah, yeah, anyway. <laughs> but some problems inside, you know. Some problems inside. Okay. So, you know, act with other, act towards others with a compassionate and caring mind. And hope that they look and say, thank you so much. And I'll remember you in 20 years from now when I have good health. And I'll remember you taking away these crackers. And thank you. <laughs> no, you're not going to thank me then. You're going to say, and she took away my crackers. <laughs> yeah. So controlling. She made up the excuse that it's good for my health. Really, is because she got tired of hearing crunch, crunch, crunch. <laughs> that was the real reason, but she didn't acknowledge it. Yeah. No, my mom, my mom died of congestive heart failure and uh, high sodium. There, I remember when we talked to the doctor afterwards, that was a big thing. Her sodium was way up. And sodium is one of the big things in salt. Yeah. Yeah, so now they're putting the salt even in chocolate bars? How to ruin a chocolate bar? <laughs> no, sweet and salty at the same time. Ugh. Ugh. 
Okay. So in the same way, I should act towards others with a compassionate and caring mind. Although the basis is quite impersonal, through constant familiarity, I have come to regard the drops of sperm and blood of others as I. Okay. And this one's really interesting. Okay. So our body, it, they say blood, it should be egg. Okay. So the sperm and the egg, these are men who wrote it. They don't know. <laughs> they don't understand women's bodies. Um, okay. Uh, so the basis, what's the basis? Sperm and egg. Yeah. Anything special about sperm and egg? They're just material, aren't they? Total inanimate material that has no consciousness. Sperm over here, egg over there. What's the big deal? Okay. Yeah, it's like looking at rocks. They don't have consciousness. Uh -huh. And anyway, they belong to somebody else. They came from, you know, two other people. They didn't come from me. They came from, they're theirs. Now, this is your sperm. This is your egg. Okay. But through constant familiarity, I see that combination of sperm and egg, which has grown into my body as me, as I. And the basis is what isn't my body. The sperm and the egg. Actually, they leave out one, in saying this, one important other ingredient is left out. The sperm, the egg, and all the food that we've eaten since, you know, since conception. Imagine the amount of food that is that came through other living beings, and especially if you ate meat when you were a kid. All the living beings who offered their bodies for your dinner all the living beings who worked the fields, all the living beings, you know, who died when the fields were getting plowed and so on. Yeah. So all of that, plus a few molecules from mom and a few molecules from dad, and on that basis, oh, look at this. Oh, oh. It's, I've got to make it look beautiful. There's so many freckles. I don't look like the, the, who's the latest one? Uh, Beyonce. I don't look like. That. <laughs> you don't know who Beyonce is? Yeah, of course. Everybody knows. I agree that you don't look like You know, I I want to, and you know, this like I should have skin with no freckles, and you know, just like high school, you know, long straight blonde hair, not short curly brown hair. You know, I don't look like this is me. There's nothing, there's nothing me about that. You know, it's a bob, a bunch of vegetable glue. Yeah, but then when I start, you know, oh, my 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 little finger hurts. 
I have a paper cut on my little finger. Yeah. Have you ever had a paper cut on your little finger? Oh, it hurts like hell. <laughs> oh, I've got to do something about it. I can't wash dishes today <laughs> because the water will will antagonize the cut. You know, and and it'll make the what? Yeah, yeah, no, that the 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 their latex that will antagonize the cut. <laughs> anyway, I can't wash dishes because my tears will make the the dishwater overflow. <laughs> you know, so it's because of familiarity and habit with this thing that then everything that happens to it becomes so incredibly important. Yeah? So important. And the world's got to stop because of it. Yeah? I mean, because I, I need a cushion behind me and a cushion underneath me and a heating pad. And people have been turning it up to six. That's way too hot. Yeah, don't they know? Don't they know? They should know what number to put it on, depending on how I feel each day. <laughs> yeah, but they're so inconsiderate, they don't even ask me. <laughs> okay, but look at, I mean, in your meditation, do a spoof on yourself like this. Yeah? Because it really is worth exaggerating and laughing at because sometimes the way we act is, yeah, is just like that. Yeah. Okay, we better stop. <laughs> okay. So verse 111, actually, there's a lot, there's a lot there. That, that verse, well, all these verses are things, are the antidotes to our self-centeredness. But, you know, that one, but many of them, you know, are. And then when you think about your reputation, okay, my body, you know, well, yeah, okay, it's something I can touch, you know, yeah, somebody heard it. But my reputation, what in the world is a reputation? Yeah, but I'm so attached. I want everybody to like me. Not just like me. They have to talk well about me behind my back. And they have to put me in the front row and give me the prestige of this and ask me to do that and that. But what they ask me to do has to only be high-status things. They cannot ask me to sweep the floor. Yeah. So, yeah, our uh, rules of the universe. Okay. Um, questions, comments? So what would be the middle way of... Um 
just acknowledging that we've overcome the self-centered thought for a moment and feeling happy about that or or feeling happy that we were kind and generous rather than, you know, making it just this huge deal. I mean, we should feel happy about that. Yeah, right? we, it's called rejoicing at your own merit. Yeah, yeah. earlier though, it just it, sounded like any kind of recognition that we did something good might be just a... Well, there's, there's a... Yeah, well, there's a difference between I'm so wonderful, look what I did, and I rejoice that I created merit. I rejoice at the merit. I rejoice that somebody else is that that somebody else is a little bit happier or has a little bit less suffering. Yeah. I mean one is yeah, either rejoicing at the effect on others or at your own merit, but it's not something to increase this ego. Yeah. Well, that's because of habit. <laughs> you, you see, it's no excuse. It, but, but what it does, when you practice the Dharma and you start meditating on all these antidotes, yeah, you see how your mind is here and the antidotes are there. Yeah. And it's like, wait a minute, why should I think like that? Yeah. And and that's when you go, you know, I want to go to the pub and have a beer and have a good time. I want my usual outlets for happiness because this is the opposite way than how I am. And it's just too much energy to change. Yeah. So we dig ourselves a hole in and sit in it. Yeah. So we have to differentiate, you know, oh, I'm so wonderful, between, oh, I created merit and I didn't listen to my self-centered thought for once. That's good. I rejoice about that. Or I, re I rejoice, you know. I washed a few dishes. Somebody else was happier. <laughs> yeah. When you were saying that, it reminded me of something that Dashan Rinpoche used to say. Mm -hmm. And I think it helps me a lot in these kind of situations because, you know, they're always doing stuff. And at the end, he would say, we did it. And the rejoicing would be about that long. But it was yeah. always everybody all together. And it yeah. was very short and sweet in it. I think for me, when I think about things, even if I'm like working on an affliction and I've come over it, it actually is we because I've learned this from mm. others. And it's, you know, there's this interaction that makes this whole thing happen. Yeah. So I find that to be a healthy way. Yeah. Okay. Let's dedicate. <laughs> <laughs>